Hello, welcome to another edition of the Hoop Scoop Podcast. My name is Nate with my pod pal Phil, and today we're doing a free agency roundup. Most, but not all, of the dust has settled. Still a few names out there. The Dennis Schroeder situation seems a little questionable, to say the least. Larry Markin in a name that's kind of flowing around. Not sure what's going on with him. But for the most part, we kind of have an idea of what these teams are going to look like post-free agency. The big names have gone off the board. Still a lot of trades, I think, that could happen before next season. But from a strictly free agency standpoint... We've gotten the meat and the meat and potatoes of it all. Meat and potatoes out of the way, but there's a lot going on. Uh, didn't really get a megastar move this year. Really, the only one that, well, in terms of free agency. Uh, okay. Right. But yeah, the only guy that was really on the board from that kind of caliber is Kawhi, and all of the the details of the contract are still not there. Looks like Kawhi Leonard will be returning to the Clippers, but a lot of movement kind of on the fringes, and a lot of teams that I think are going to look pretty different going to next season. Phil, I'm just going to kind of lay it all on the table for you right now, and I'm going to start in the East, okay, because I think there's some there's some cool stuff happening in the East, some interesting stuff. I want to start with the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls, to me, were the team that kind of came out into free agency and wanted to make some changes, wanted to make some additions to their team, they bring on Lonzo Ball, four years, $85 million. They bring on Alex Caruso. I believe the contract was four years, $37, 37 million. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They bring on DeMar DeRozan for three years, $85 million. Phil, what do you make of this Bulls team? What does it say about what they're doing going forward? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Do you just throw your hands in the air and say, I'm not sure? <clears throat> what was the initial reaction to their flurry moves? Because it happened quick. Pretty much 6 p.m. on the dot was announced, and it was all done within 24 hours. Yeah. What do you make yeah, of the Chicago it was, team? It was pretty concise. Uh, Chicago definitely made some interesting moves. I can't say I know or have like a beat on what their inevitable plan is, but it seems like they just want to try to be competitive, and this is kind of the environment for which they had to do it. Um, I don't know what the team, what the you know plan is with Zach Levine, whether they want him back or not. I would assume they want him back at whatever price he could probably get. But yeah, they want to just put as much competent pieces around their core of, I guess, last year's running mate of Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic and see what happens. Realistically, from my perspective, it reminds me a lot of that Pacers tier team where you have guys that do a lot of different things and are good at a lot of specific things, but you don't have an end game or not an end game, but a, a closer for the end of the game yet. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to come because it seems like they've kind of sent all their pieces out. So this is, this is who they're running with for the next however many years. Yeah. The, there's a lot going on in Chicago and the Zach Levine thing is kind of a subplot in it all because he is still due for some big money, I believe next off season. And you would think that they're planning on giving it to him because they're going win now, but that remains to be seen. Listen, with Chicago, I mean, it traces back to the Vucevic trade, which happened this past season. And when it happened, I think me and you were a little more lukewarm than most of the NBA public was. They kind of just looked at it through the lens of, oh, they're bringing on an all-star. They're giving up Wendell Carter, not proven. They're giving up two picks. Who cares? And let's just roll it. But last year didn't go as planned. Zach Levine gets COVID, and they don't even make the plan. That's a huge disappointment. And once they made that trade, 
it was all in. There there was no point really of continuing to stockpile picks. Go, they didn't have any picks. There was no point of you know kind of building with youth because they traded two picks and one of their young players, Nuendo Carter, even though he's not proven per se, he still got potential and we don't really know what to make of him yet. But there's no point of just investing in the youth any longer. Obviously, you still have young players that you hope can be something. Patrick Williams, I think they still think highly of him. Kobe White, I have no clue what they are going to do with him anymore. And they do bring in Lonzo Ball, who's a relatively young player. But this is a team that is starving for some relevance. They're starving to be competitive, to make some noise in the playoffs. And I'm wondering, Phil, do you think that this season, this past season we just saw, with all the injuries that happened and what the Phoenix Suns did, and listen, I'm not saying the Chicago Bulls or the Phoenix Suns because they don't have players as good as Devin Booker or Chris Paul. But in the same breath, Last year, when the Suns made all those moves and they brought on Chris Paul, if you were to say the Suns are title contenders, a team that could make the NBA Finals, it would be a hot take. It would be a scalding hot take. And most people would probably say you're a little, a little delusional. And listen, the Bucks. I don't – I mean, not, it's not, not the Bucks. The Bulls, I don't think, have the talent of the top-end teams in the East. But do you think maybe they looked at that and said – why not? Why can't we be that next team? Maybe if something happens to the Brooklyn Nets, maybe if this Lakers situation doesn't work out, maybe we can be a team that can squeak their way, you know, to the top of the East come playoff time with some injuries. Do you think they're thinking that way? Or is it purely just, let's just get relevant and have some fun for a little bit? Uh, No, I think that's definitely an element. If you look at the past three championship or finals matchups, each side has, or each, or one of each has some team that kind of a lot of stuff broke their way. And it seems to be maybe teams think they can buy in on that and that luck or that chance is going to continue to roll out. I don't know if that's the case. It really depends every year, but you see the Raptors luck into a championship with KD's injury. You see the heat luck into their finals appearance because of obviously they played really well, but they had some lucky instances where LeBron left the, the East and there was a lot of injuries between other teams for them to get there. And then you saw this year with the Suns and the Bucks, they both kind of a lot of stuff broke their way in order to get there. So maybe teams think like, why can't it be us? This mm-hmm. seems to be a repeating theme that might might carry on. I think that's kind of, kind of a gamble, but who knows? It could keep rolling for another few years or it could stop tomorrow. Yeah, undoubtedly a gamble. But at this once they put the Vucevic trade through, it was all chips in. And I think they, they, they had to be aggressive this offseason because they couldn't just run it back simply with Levine, Vucevic, and a bunch of young kind of question yeah. marks. I want to uh, touch on your rebuild, yeah. though. Yes. Because it seemed like they were kind of unfortunate from the start just by lucking into what they had. So when they said, we're going to go full rebuild, they sent out Jimmy Butler to the Wolves, and they got back Zach Levine, who was supposed to be an interesting prospect. And what is it, two or three years down the line now, and he's a 27-point scorer it kind of threw off what they thought was going to be a longer rebuild with this interesting Mm. prospect in Levine where they thought he could be a streaky scorer. Mm. And obviously you take that if you can get it, but I think in terms of where they thought they were headed, Levine's ascension definitely kind of tilted the axis and until they're going to be in terms of playoff or lottery standing and how they're going to rebuild and everything. So it was just kind of like an interesting, you got caught and yeah, unlucky, but lucky. Yeah. And that's what kind of happens when you have a core and, one player 
kind of outpaces the rest, right? Because, yeah. you know, part of that rebuild, yes, it was Zach Levine, but it was also Chris Dunn. And what does he turn into? Nothing. And it was also Laurie Markinen. And what does he amount to? It seems like he doesn't really have a future in Chicago anymore. And his NBA future is kind of up in the air in general. So, yeah, Levine was the only one that, I mean, he did above and beyond what he thought he would be. But because of those other players not really hitting, it forced them to speed up the clock a little bit, for yeah. sure. Uh, before we move on to other teams, uh, because, you know, we've kind of talked about this situationally what this means for Chicago. But from a team standpoint, like, how do you think this team looks going into next season? Like, how, how much do you like them? Where do you see them in the hierarchy of the East? I think they're definitely just put talent on paper. They're probably four or five seeds safely, in my opinion. It doesn't seem like a far stretch for them to be that kind of really good regular season team. That's definitely what they're going to be pulling for. I don't know how they're going to fare in the playoffs. I definitely have to see how the team works out. But yeah, I mean, a starting five of four previous or recent all-stars and then Lonzo Ball, it's, it's not a bad way to go. It's not, yeah. I, I love this team. They should be, I, yeah, I would agree. Probably, I'd probably say in the five to seven range, uh, Brooklyn is much better. Milwaukee is much better. I don't know what to make of Philly, so I'll kind of just, they're just like NA at this point because I don't know what yeah. their team's going to look like. Miami, I think, is better. And I'd probably still give Atlanta the edge as well. Um, but outside of that, yeah, they're, they're, they're good. I think with them, it's going to come down to defense because. They brought in a lot of scoring. DeMar DeRozan, he can create offense. Lonzo Ball is a good shooter, so that adds court spacing. And we know Levine and Vucevic can score, but you're starting three minus defenders in your starting lineup between Vuce, Levine, and DeRozan. So can they be in a league average offense? Probably not. Can they be serviceable? You know, like they just can't be horrible. Uh, They don't have a lot of rim protection for their perimeter defense is all right. I think Lonzo's a little bit overrated as a defender, but we'll see this year. Levine, he's made strides as a defender. Can he keep that up? So that's my big question with them. Can they score enough to kind of make up for what I think is going to be a pretty porous defense? But yeah, Alex, I think a good team. And if things break their way and maybe Patrick Williams takes another step up, I think he's probably their, he's their most important young player still that they have in their plans. Uh, I have a hard time seeing Kobe white being that relevant, honestly, just given the fact that they brought on Lonzo and yeah. You know, on Kobe still. white. Where do you see him next six months? Do you see him on the team? Uh, it's tough. I feel it's like... tough. Cause he's, this is about as rough a situation as he could be in Uh feel a little bad yeah. for him, honestly, because I don't think he was, you know, like a bad player. I mean, he, he went through his struggles as a, as a young, he had guard. a good rookie year. Yeah, he came on strong at the end of the season. Last year was up and down, but I mean, he's a young guard, I think, with talent. But right now, it doesn't really seem like he's going to give get a ton of opportunity. He'll he'll get minutes off the bench. They'll probably keep right. him for now and see if maybe he can pop off the bench. Maybe he comes back better. I mean, if he can become a consistent three point shooter, he'll always have a spot in their lineups. I'm not sure what their future is. Like, if I had to bet, he won't be on the team next year. But I feel like they're going to give it one more season to see if he can pop as a as a bench guy. Yeah, it's possible. I, I'm leaning towards they're going to, like, test the waters, see what teams feel about him, and try to get a mid-season trade for, like, he's their kind of young piece to offer to a team for, I don't know, disgruntled mid-level guy. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, but Chicago, I think, 
as I mean, outside the Lakers, but from Eastern Conference standpoint, so far, Chicago has the newest aesthetic going on with them. Uh, Phil, you want me to right. you want me to lob another team to you, or you got? I was I was gonna gonna pop over since we're gonna do big stuff. We we have to talk about the Lakers. We'll talk. Yeah, looking off the back. Why you don't want to okay. talk about now? I was thinking we do East and West. Okay. All right. That's fine. So let's talk next things. I mean, they did a lot of moves, and I mean, it was a lot of moves because they had to because the roster was like four people at the beginning of free agency. But yeah, they brought back basically the whole tribe and added on Kemba Walker on a cheap, I think it's two year, eight mil a year deal, and Fournier for about seventeen, a little more than seventeen mil a year. What do you think? Yeah. So. The Knicks, I like overall what they did. They, it, it was we we weren't sure which direction they were going to go. We know we had they had all this money, and we know that they had this successful season last year. But how much of it did they want to bring back? How much of this money do they want to spend? And I think they did a good job towing the line. Uh, this, this is a team that can't afford to slide. This is a team that, even though they're, they're not title contenders and. We don't really see this being like their title champion, like their their contending window. This is their this is their relevance window. I'll call it. Like this is when they have to show the NBA that you know, it wasn't just a one season thing. Like this is a sustained, successful model, and they can stay afloat in the Eastern Conference for the next few years. So, yeah, they didn't just go out and get some players. They decided that they were going to bring back the players that produced for them last year, which is what they should have done. Uh, the Derrick Rose price tag is a little heavy. Three years, forty-three, but there is a team option for the third year, so I'm not, I'm not losing sleep over it. Uh, I love the Burks contract, three years, thirty, also team option for the third year. Noel, a little pricey, but again, team option third year. Like these things aren't going to hamper them long term. And three players that were quality for them last year. Uh, the Fournier deal, at first, it was a little bit of a sticker shock because I think Fournier is a good player, but I don't think he's a star. He has had his ups and downs in the playoffs, but he's definitely what the Knicks needed. We needed a little bit more secondary playmaking. We need we could always use some more three-point shooting. And he's just going to be an offensive weapon that's going to make life easier for Randall and RJ. And same thing with Kemba. Kemba, health is a huge concern, and that's the biggest thing. I know people are looking at his numbers, and they look good. 19 points per game, five assists, whatever. Shooting was all right. But the health is a big concern. Can like, is this was it just a an off season for Kemba where you know shorting off season, whatever, dealing with the bubble, didn't have time to really work on that knee, or is this the start of the end for Kemba Walker? That's going to be the question. I'm not 100 percent sure. But it was as you said, not a huge investment. Two years, uh, 16 million, something like that, and Thunder bought him out. So. We'll roll the day. We'll roll the dice like what he could give us. But overall, I'm, I'm happy about what the Knicks did. They're going to be competitive again next season. And the, they clearly the front office knows, like, this is not our time to go for a title. Uh, most of the superstars in the game, they're pretty much locked into their teams for a little bit at least. And, you know, like, the whole planning on – guys just like leading their teams it was stupid to begin with so i'm happy that we're kind of over that phase we're gonna stay relevant we're gonna be solid for the next few years still just gonna need rj quickly maybe Ovi. you know some of these other young guys are just drafted grinds but brian like we need these guys to pop that's still gonna be extremely essential 
But I like the vision, and I'm happy what we did. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you there. I think one of the best things about it is they stayed flexible moving forward two, three, or I guess one to two years down the line. Teams like, I don't know, whoever's in playoff contention, like we just need one more playoff scorer off the bench. Teams are going to come looking for Derrick Rose, Burks, or if they want a defensive stopper, they're going to come for Nervous Noel for bench depth. And that one year with the team option on top of it, if it really works out with your team for only 10 mil a year, that's really going to be attractive to playoff teams. And you might get into some kind of Mook Morris scenarios again, as you did you know, last year and you did the year before, or you tried to do last year, but you did the two years before with actual Marcus Morris. So I thought it was really smart. They kind of played with the hand they had and they didn't overextend themselves as well as they just kind of, you know, on, on appearances, everything looks good. They, they bring back the people they like and that are working for them and they're helping the, the team move forward. They're doing yeah. right by who they need to, which is a good thing for saving face in terms of the constant Nick backlash that goes on for years on end. And now it's kind of stopping. Yeah. It's, it's going to be nice. We refresh and not see a revolving door of faces and, you know, you play well, we'll bring you back and we're going to, and we'll see how long we can roll with it. And we can't, and among all of the free agency, there's, there were a ton of extensions going on and we're not going to get into all of them, but Julius Randall, one of them extended for four years, 117 million. And when I look at the other extensions and listen, Julius Randall, not a perfect player. We know that he had his struggles in the playoffs and it's going to be a big season for him. But you can't erase what he did on a team that didn't really give him a lot of help. And this year, he should have a lot more space to work with. I mean, I think him and Fournier, that makes a lot of sense. Just having another playmaker to work off of ball screens, give him some more space. They can't load on him like the Hawks did. I'm not making excuses. He should have played better. But to get him on four years, 117, when I'm looking at a guy like Jimmy Butler, and nothing against Jimmy Butler, I think he's really good. But I don't think he's like an elite player, just like I don't think Randall's an elite player. And I was, when I say elite, I'm talking like top 10 in the game. Uh, to see Jimmy Butler get 184 for four years and the Randall getting 117 for four years, I'm, dead. I'm, I'm happy with that when I see that yeah, comparison. For sure. Also, um, touching on the Kemba thing, I think it's kind of an interesting note. I forget where I was reading about this or listening to it on a podcast, but someone was talking about just the logic behind the Kemba waving. And you have to think that the Thunder typically go through their process. They've done this type of rejuvenation process before, but to call it quits before the season starts, it's got to be a little hesitant in terms of they must start something with the medical staff. And like, this is, this is a no go. Like he's, there's a, there's a good chance he's just not going to play or he's going to be in and out and you're just going to be taking the and that's why they bought him out. So I don't know. It's interesting to think that like, obviously these teams are very thorough in what they're doing. And for the Thunder to so quickly cut bait on Kemba is, should be a little eye opening, but for the Knicks, yeah, I mean, that's Kemba, just like yeah. a gamble. It's just a worthwhile mm-hmm. gamble. Yeah. Kemba's a concern. Kemba's a concern uh, physically because there was times last year he didn't look like himself, but we're going to have to wait and see maybe this elongated off season will do right by him. Um, All right. Back in the East. Can we Wizards? talk Miami for a second? Oh, very different skew. Okay, we'll talk Miami. <laughs> Miami, uh, Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry on the yeah. Heat. That's, and, uh, yes, and? They give up Precious Achua and Jordan Drogic, which I didn't even realize at first. I, I, I saw like a day later that Precious Achua was on the Raptors. Like, how did that happen? He went He went and signed trade, and I thought they liked Achua, and I get, they did, but I guess they like Lowry more. 
I think the thing so is the, everybody liked Achua. Like they knew about yeah. him. Lowry's gotten a lot of good press. I feel like it's been – I feel like the media after we, – we, we, we turn very quickly. Re- remember the old days of Lebronto and just getting washed in the playoffs after winning 55 games in the regular season and Lowry was a choker, DeRozan was a choker, Dwayne Casey couldn't win, all that stuff. But now Lowry wins a title and, you know, he's uh, – Yeah, I was going to say, you're leaving out a very, very interesting piece of that historic puzzle. No, I'm just saying I'm, – I'm, I'm telling the story, but – I'm just uh, – I like Lowry, but I'm just kind of saying and they get Kawhi, obviously, and that helps. And Kyle Lowry was very good in that finals, and Kyle Lowry is very good. But how much better does this make the Heat? Uh, I can't say it's it's leaps and bounds. I think they're going to be kind of like what they were a few years ago or two years ago. Last year was kind of tough because they had a lot of injuries sided with COVID stuff. So as soon as – um, Harrow came back from COVID stuff. Jimmy Butler went out with contact tracing. And then when he came back, Bam had some ankle issues or shoulder stuff again. And so I forget what the numbers were on how many times you actually saw their starting five, how they wanted it to be. But at least to the all-star break, I remember it was like under 10 games. You saw the actual starting five play together. So last year was just kind of like a muck in terms of all that. The year before, I'd probably, you know, like in the situation too now where they're going to be some of their parts, everybody's going to do their job and everyone's going to contribute a decent amount. And it could take them far in, into the regular season and the playoffs. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, last regular season was, was a mess and a lot of that wasn't their fault. But then we can't forget what happened in the postseason and they get swept by the Milwaukee Bucks. Outside of game one, it really wasn't that competitive. I like I liked the Lowry fit with... The Heat, I like. I think Lowry's a great fit with pretty much any team. I wanted him on the Knicks. I still just think that the Heat and where they're going to go, and you know, they signed Butler to that huge extension, as we just said. They're all in on this on this window that they're trying to get a title. It's going to come down to the progression of Bam Adebayo. I I think he is the element. I kind of know what Lowry's going to give me, and I think he's a gold medalist, Bam Adebayo. Uh, he was and he was walking around with it yesterday. Very, very official. Very, very proud. Very proud, and that, that's good. And he was good in the Olympics. He was a good center for him. But they're going to need him to become a scorer. They're going to need him to be a guy that can that can average between twenty and twenty five points throughout the regular season during the playoffs. That's something that still remains to be seen. So until that happens, I don't know if the Heat have the firepower to contend with the Nets and Bucks, who aren't going anywhere. We just saw Kevin Durant sign that long-term extension. That was that was big. I I was honestly a little surprised to see it, and that's just that kind of shows where his mind's at. He wants to be a Net. Nets aren't going anywhere. Bucks, they're not going anywhere. Giannis is going to be there presumably for a very 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 long time. Are the Heat going to be able? to match up with those top teams, it's going to come down to Bam because I think we kind of know what Butler and Larry are at this point. They got some decent role guys. They signed they, they signed Robinson to the big deal, and that's PJ fine. Tucker. They brought P.J. Tucker. That's cool. That's good stuff. It's a thing. But it's going to come down to Bam. That's that, that's my – and until I see Bam become what he – what they want to be, I don't think the Heat are in that top tier. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to be a top-tier team, but – I think they're going to be right in contention for that right on the outside looking in squad. They're probably the best of the bunch left after that top three. Yeah, I don't even know if I could call it top three right now because I don't know what the Sixers are doing. But Well, you know um, what I'm saying. Like from last, carry over last year, 
yeah, if we're talking about that top squad, they're not in that elite threshold. But, I mean, theoretically, if the Sixers run it back, they're going to be a good team in the regular season again. I win, yes. I don't know if they make the elite squad. Do you think Miami's better than Atlanta? Yeah. Okay. I, I roll with that, yeah. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, I roll with it. I'm not committed to it. Fair. Uh, all right, we can talk Washington. Oh, let's let's go west. Washington is. You don't want to talk. You don't want to talk Dinwiddie. No, I mean it's gonna be. I mean we'll talk, we'll talk briefly, but it's like Beal has a whole new cast, and it's either going to be a really good, you know, whole unit behind him, or it's going to be a weird clunky. Everyone's trying to get their own. That's fair. I like what Washington did. I'll, I'll say that. I think they're going to be a good team this year. I think they're going to make the playoffs, and I think for the first time, Beal has a real supporting cast of like role players that make sense. I, I like the KCP addition a lot. That was a trade, obviously, not free agency. I think Dinwiddie, I've always liked Dinwiddie's game. I want him on the Knicks. And him and Beal, that's a that's that's a really good backcourt. That makes a lot of sense. That is gonna be tough for other teams to guard. They got shooting around them. I think those are gonna be solid this year. I like what they did. Yeah. I think so too. All right, let's move west. Let's go flip flop to the Lakers because they just acquired Russ from the Wizards. Yes. Well, let's, your... let's focus on the, let's focus on the free agents because we, we talked Russ. We talked Russ. All right. Fair, 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 fair. It was a long time ago. We did talk about <clears> it. Let's, let's talk about Russ now with all the new, the new yes, toys. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So Dwight Howard made his return. Carmelo Anthony's here. Picked up two youngins, Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn. How do you, how do you plop it in? Is there going to be room for everybody? I just don't know how this team is stopping anybody because this team and LeBron James and Anthony Davis are going to continue to, you would hope, anchor that side of the ball. But we also know what LeBron James likes to do on defense. He's a, he's a very good defender, but he's not something that's going to take on the top matchups. They lost a lot of good defensive players. Caves Carl Pope is a good defender. Cal Kuzma, I think he got a little too much hate, and the shooting, it was inconsistent, but he's come a long way as a defender. He played really hard. This team, when Anthony Davis and LeBron James were in and out of the lineup last year, they managed to stay afloat in the Western Conference through their defense. The With the number one defense in the NBA. I don't see how this team is able to replicate that because they bring in so many minus defenders. I mean, is Carlton Anthony getting big minutes? We know what he brings on defense. Malik Monk, he's... Never been a guy that hung his hat on defense. Uh, Kendrick Nunn, maybe. Um, that that's just, that's yeah. where my concern is. That's my and not even talking about the rust and the offensive fit, but is this team? Because we know we know they're not going to score with the Nets, and probably if the Nuggets are healthy, probably not with the Nuggets. You know, yeah. maybe I wait on that. That's fair. Well, whatever. I'm, let's let's talk about the yeah, next yeah, yeah. Season. Semantics, but, semantics. Like, can this team continue to be the dominant defensive team they've been since they brought Anthony Davis in? That's my question. Yeah, I mean, they've brought in a lot of older vet wings that they would hope can still be versatile and you know have been on shorter leashes or lesser minutes. And Trevor Reza can base more, but also they're trying to get Andre Iguodala. But who's, Iguodala who's to say it's still? Oh, he went back to the Warriors? When did this happen? Yes, yes, yes. It happened subtly. Nobody cared much, but yeah. Fair enough. All right. But yeah, so that kind of shows what they were aiming for, what their vision is, where they're going to have these long, lanky, switchable wings, theoretically, 
two through four and then AD at the five and LeBron taking the, the ball up, if they really need crunch time lineup, like urgent defense and spacing, mm-hmm. that would be my guess. But I guess, I mean, it's not going to come down to that now because you got to throw Melo in at one of those spots or you got to rely on Kemp Bazemore for actual Yeah, Kemp Bazemore, stops. I mean, Ariza, how much does he left, have left in the tank? I'm, exactly. I'm... Yeah, so I don't does know. Does THT I... become your defensive specialist? And listen, listen. I'm not, I don't see anybody in the West I'm picking over the Lakers just due to the fact they have LeBron and AD. Clippers, I don't think Kawhi is going to be very involved in this upcoming season. Nuggets, complete question mark with Jamal Murray. I have no faith in the Jazz. I mean, this, honestly, the dark horse right now would probably be Dallas just because uh, I, yeah. I think I think we kind of can't. I think the way they played this past postseason has aged pretty well. How they pushed the Clippers fully healthy. And, uh, you know, maybe Porzingis comes back a little better. And I, I I like the Bullock edition. Like, Dallas just makes a lot of sense. They don't have the talent of the Lakers do just at the top with LeBron and AD. But they make a lot of sense. I don't know how the hell the Lakers are guarding Luka. That's going to be – ugh, geez, I can't even imagine. But, I mean, I, 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 there's nobody that I can really say is definitely better than the Lakers. But defensively and then still just shooting-wise, uh. It's it's questionable. Is this the word I use? Questionable. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about the Suns for a second because I want to get my my crazy thoughts out on the airwaves. I was telling you about okay. yesterday. So, okay. <clears throat> first of all, your your brief thoughts on the Chris Paul deal as a whole. You had to do it if you're Phoenix because you can't uh, as as an organization that's known for not really spending. You can't look your fan base in the eye and say, yeah, our all-NBA point guard who just took us to our first NBA finals in 25 years or whatever, he's uh, – we're not going to pay him. <laughs> so they, they, they didn't have a choice, and let's, uh, I, I can't blame them for doing it. I, mean, I would have done the same. Yeah, I think they had to do it. <clears throat> but my, my tangent is that they might have had some slight optimism that the ramifications of this year's playoffs where a lot of teams ended up dinged up and unable to actually put out a full roster and the Suns were able to, to advance to the finals. Is it really so crazy to say that that could happen again? Realistically, the Clippers are probably going to miss Kawhi for the entire year. The Nuggets might not have Jamal Murray for the entirety, or when he gets back, he might be rusty. The Suns realistically are just banking on whether the, the Lakers fall apart or have some kind of injury situations that happen the same time this year in the playoffs this year and who's to say after out of that bunch it's them maybe the Mavericks it's them and the Jazz and I don't like the Jazz I would take the Suns over the three of them probably next year again and they're just back in the finals and they all they have to do is who's to say it's going to happen but yeah no you're not wrong Phoenix is probably looking at it that way and they, they, they they know what they got they know what they're capable of and if maybe Aiton takes a step, maybe Mikael Bridges takes a step, then sure, we're looking at something that could be even better than we thought we had. Uh, and not to make this into kind of like a season preview, but yeah, as, as you allude to, like the West is, is really up in the air. And like the injuries from last year are still lingering over the heads of a lot of these franchises. But the team we can't forget about, and I think is the biggest wild card going to the upcoming season, and also a team that I'm not sure what they should do in the offseason, the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. They... I mean, Joe Lacob came out and said that it doesn't look like they're making a huge trade. 
I think they would be foolish to not cash in on some of their young pieces. I think there's a lot of good options out there that can prove their team. I'd, I'd like to see Jeremy Grant on this team. I'd like to see Pascal Siakam on this team. I think it's a team that needs to go all in on this year because yeah, after say. yeah, after we saw from Stephen Curry, you can't you can't just go and walk Curry, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, and a bunch of youngsters. It's it's not right. Can't do that. So hopefully yeah, they until make Kuminga, until Kuminga is off the Warriors, I will take them serious. I will not take them seriously. <laughs> Fair, fair. So, yeah, but Suns, they're kind of just running back, and you can't blame them. Um, Western Conference, who else made some noise in the West? Uh, you got Bullock going to Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. We almost got a sign and trade at Can we talk about what's going on in New Orleans for a second? I mean, exactly. point. Can talk about New Orleans for a second? Yeah. So, they bring in Devontae Graham via the... Anyway, they get Devontae Graham. They lose Lonzo Ball, and what they get out of it is Tomas Sadoransky, a second-round pick, and I believe Garrett Temple as well. They're also going to go into next season with Jonas Valanciunas. That was through the trade. Uh, Phil, I... I I hate there's nothing there's there's few things I hate more than when franchises lose like young players for nothing. I just think it's malpractice and that's how you set your team backwards. They do that Anthony Davis trade years ago and they get a, what looked like a pretty good haul. You get Brandon Ingram who emerges, turns into an all-star caliber player, you extend him. Lonzo Ball has been improving. And to lose Lonzo Ball, a guy who were a lot of teams like him, a lot of teams were clearly willing to pay him. He just got $20 million per seat per year over four years. That's a pretty good chunk of change. And just looking back at the trade deadline, I don't know what they could have gotten, but the fact that they end up with this and lose Lonzo for pennies on the dollar, it's got to leave a sour taster map for the Pelicans. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, we know that free agents typically like these deals are done days or a week in advance, and the Pelicans to still cling on to the fact that they might get Lowry, and in turn letting Lonzo go for what they they gave up. It just it makes no sense. It was just baffling. You would have thought you'd have a deal done by now if that didn't happen. You need to at least spend your money where you can. I don't know how much money do they have left in cap space because they didn't make a lot of signings. They just they did, did a lot of. Trades, yeah. sign and trades, which I don't think ate up too much of the cap, but yeah, Devontae Graham, they they gave a deal. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. No, you're right, because they yeah, they signed and traded him, and they're like, we're gonna give you. Yeah, he got he got four years, forty seven, which is fine, I guess. Okay. You know, whatever. Uh, it's tough. They're already trying to be like Zion. We're gonna rebuild around you again. In yeah, two years, yeah, that's a problem. We <laughs> had this. Like they're rebooting it. it yeah. We're going to rebuild the range even more now. Yeah. That, yeah Except for the part where Brendan Ingram does not really make sense. With, them together don't make a lot of sense, but they, they know, I, I'm, I'm more I'm more favorable on the Ingram-Zion pairing. I think people are giving them a bad shake just because of how bad the team is around them. Uh, I mean, I get why it's not like a perfect fit, but I think if they had just better players around them and more court spacing, we'd be looking at them a little different. I mean, yeah. I think the problem is we're not gonna ever gonna see that. 
probably okay. the best lineup we'll ever see of Zion and Brandon Ingram Walder together was probably last year, the clunky Bledsoe, Stephen Adams, Lonzo, whole mish, mishmash. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Everything else is going to be rebuilding, and then they're each going to just take turns having the ball in their hand. Yes. Yeah. So Pelicans, I, I view as a loser. Uh, I mean, in the West, most of it stayed pretty same. I mean, the, the Spurs are making some moves, but I don't even really want to talk about the Spurs. I don't know if you yeah. want to talk about the Spurs. No, or... It's just stuff around the fringes. They lose the guys and advantages. So, yeah. This is going to be the first year in a while with the Spurs where they're going full full reboot with the, with just young players. And Pop's pretty much going to be forced to play them. So it's sink or swim time. Yeah. All right. Are you ready for a little fun game? Yeah, I like games. All right. So since we're in the dead heat of, of summer, nothing's going on. All we have to do is basically watch baseball or rare summer league games. I want to do some some comps. Some. So okay. I'm talking. See swings in terms of you know little. So I'm, I'm thinking, who are your big strikeout teams? Guys that went for they went all in, and you don't think it's really going to push the needle either way. Hmm. Okay. Um. Not going to push the needle either way. I. Hmm. I mean, I think my I think my initial reaction, honestly is Miami. Um, mm. I, I, I don't think Miami is going to take the step that they, I, I mean, I, I said it all already, so I don't want to rehash it, but I, right, I, yeah. listen, I, and I like Lowry a lot. I wanted him on the Knicks. I think he'd be a great fit for the Knicks. I think he'd help our, our young players a lot, but listen, he's an aging player. Um, we kind of like forget that because he doesn't really show in his game. He does a lot of stuff, you know, in between, in, you know, in, in between the game where it's like, the little plays, the, the charges taken, the loose balls, all of that. Like he's, he's really good, but he's 35 years old. He's gonna be 36 by the end of next season, and like we kind of got a rendition of Lowry. And I'm not saying and Goran Dragic isn't the player Lowry is, and Lowry does. Lowry's a better defender, and he's probably more reliable, like spot up three point shooter. Although Dragic was really hitting his shots, but we kind of saw what Miami was with good point guard play because Dragic was awesome that whole entire bubble run. And at the end of the day, like, we, we, we saw what kind of did a minute. And to me, it was still a lack of offensive explosion. And, I mean, they're very reliant on Jimmy. And Jimmy hasn't uh, – I mean, just last postseason, he did not play up to snuff. So, like, how much better are they than that bubble team? To me, not that much better. So, I kind of still view Miami the same way. Even though, I mean, they gave Larry the big deal in three years – Solid. That's that's a good amount of time for a thirty-five year old. I don't right. think that differently of Miami. That's that's my team. Can I offer one thing of when they were in the bubble on the finals when Goran Dragic? I think he tore his plantar fasciitis. Plantar yes, he, got, he got he got hurt. He got hurt. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So just a little, you know, yep. little re- re- perspective. Yep. But yeah, I mean, they were rolling when right before that happened. I think it was either the first or second game. But anyway, no, you're right. There's there might not be a lot of a lot of significant changes when they're actually playing. Yep. But yeah, but it comes down to ban for me. That's, that's my, that's my, st- I'm going to be, that's the player to watch from Miami. If he takes him, if he takes a step, we got someone on our hands. If he's the same player we've seen, which is like, you know, an 18 point per game scorer who can make some shots in between jumper, still incredibly unreliable. Can't doesn't shoot a three. 
I think we kind of looked at the same Miami team that we've seen the last two years, which to me isn't really a contender. All right. So let's move on to the next hypothetical. Or not hypothetical, but situation. So th- I'm talking big swing, big hit teams. Okay. We're talking bombs. Bombs, okay. Stepping up to the plate, and you, you did a good job. So a team that did a good job. Hit a, hit a bomb. Yeah. yeah. Whew. Okay. So there's not a ton, honestly, because like yeah. I, I think a lot of these deals, that we, we didn't see any huge star movement, and I think we're kind of saving that for trade. Um, but to me, I really liked what Washington did. I'm gonna. I think Washington is a big winner for me in free agency in the off season in general. And it's not just because they are going to make life easier for Beal. I think they're going to make life easier for the young players too, and that's going to be exciting. I think we're finally, you know, Denny. I'm not sure how he's going to recover from that injury. Hopefully, he's good. But uh, what, what happened to Denny? Yeah, he ended last season with an injury, didn't he? I forget. I, I don't. Uh, I mean, you're probably right. I, I. I just did not keep tabs on Denny as much. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, he he had a fr- hairline fracture in April. Um, uh, so I'm not. Uh, hopefully, he should he he'll be good. But I'm not exactly sure his timetable is. But presumably, when he does come back, I think this is going to make the game a lot easier for him, for Rui, when Thomas Bryant comes back. Corey Kispert is, uh, you know, with, with more ball handling on the court, is going to. I think that's good for him too. I just like the signings. I like getting Dinwiddie in there. I think he's a player that makes others better. I and he was the only free agency guy, the big free agency signing. But just overall, I like their offseason. And Dinwiddie was kind of the, the cherry on top on a good deal, too. Three years for $62 million, I think, is, is really nice for Dinwiddie, who's obviously recovering from injury. But we got a pretty good track record of ACL recoveries. I think he should be fine. And I like what Washington's doing. I think they're going to have a good product on the court next year. All right. That's fair. I mean, yeah, I like what Washington did. They got off of Westbrook. That's probably one of the biggest advantages, no matter who you're bringing back. Because that just makes yeah. so much things so much easier for Bradley Beal and the team moving forward in whatever direction they want to go. Yep. But yeah. All right. So how about a team that struck out looking teams that really did not make a move and they probably should have. Okay. So mm, I, there's, there's an easy answer here and I already addressed this on Twitter about why I'm not going to pick this team, but I'm going to say it anyway, just so we can kind of talk about it because we know we're talking. Uh, and, so I don't even know if I want to pick this team, but a team that did nothing and you're probably – I think I know where you're going. Fan, the Boston Celtics. Yeah. So, listen, I'm going to kind of save judgment on the Celtics because I think they're in a situation where they're looking around and they're saying, all right, listen, we got two studs. We got two studs that we want – we want these guys to retire Celtics. We want to build around these dudes. Only one but, Olympic champ, though. Only one gold medalist, though, which is a problem. They could use more gold medals. They're already fighting but, over it. I saw. Yeah, they're in the club for fighting sure. over the medal. Yeah, but I think the Celtics are saying, "All right, we kind of got some bad luck these last few years." You know, I mean, we got bad luck with Kyrie Irving. The Gordon Hayward thing was just kind of a just kind of a black experience to kind of nobody's faults. I don't know, whatever. Kemba Walker, listen, like you could say it was a bad signing, but nobody was saying that when it happened. So I don't think anybody expected Kemba Walker's knees to kind of give out when he was 31. And we've also not drafted great outside of those two picks, which are home runs. You know, the fringe picks, the the, the late first, the mid first haven't really hit. So we're kind of sitting here just with two players. So we got one of two things we can do. We can either swing for the fences and just say, let's just put a, really good team around 
Tatum and Brown. And although it's going to be good in the short term, we're probably not as good as the Nets. We're probably not as good as the Bucks, And we're going to end up just in the same situation three years from now when all these guys' contracts run out. Or we could kind of chill, continue to uh, build through the draft, hopefully. Hopefully some of these picks work. Hopefully Neesmith becomes something. Hopefully Pritchard becomes something more than a 10-minute per game guy. You know, maybe he's a solid backup, a backup or pipe dream, maybe a good starter. I don't know. But I think they just looked around and didn't really see anything that appeased them. They didn't want to give Formula the money. And I don't really fault them for that. I don't want to judge the Celtics until we kind of know what they did like two or three years down the road. I don't know. How do you feel about what Boston's doing? <clears throat> yeah, no, I mean, nothing you can really attribute to right now. We know that they're in the hunt for for or when Beal wants to get out. So they're trying to keep things lined up in terms of making it easy to get him. Mm. Uh, yeah, in my notes, I basically had the Celtics for this column, and I was like, until or if the Beal deal happens, they'll stay. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's a few things they did, and nothing was inspiring, but it, it was just, yeah, little things around the fringes. Also, I thought, I, before I forget it, and this is a team that, made a move Portland Trailblazers right so they 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 get yeah. Norm on on a five-year 90 million dollar contract and I don't love that number but whatever and Damian Lillard comes out and says we didn't get the guys we wanted so Phil this is want to want to know what this situation is reminding me of no, this Dame please. Portland so this is like when two people are dating and one person you could kind of tell once the relationship to end, whatever is losing steam. They're not really feeling it, but they don't want to be the person to dump the other person. So they just kind of like make comments and say stuff, almost hoping the other person dumps them so that they can be like, Oh, it wasn't me. They're the one that broke up with me. That sounds yeah. like Damien Lillard right Give now. Give me all Damian, that pity. Dame wants Damian, the pity. Damien's like, Oh, you know, they, we're not, we don't have the team right now. We got to make moves. Dame, there's no moves to make. You've been all in for five years now. You're getting paid a bajillion dollars. McCollum's getting paid a bajillion dollars. Nobody wants Nurkic. Nobody wants Covington. You traded all your firsts. You don't have any young players besides Anthony Simons. There are no moves to make. <laughs> so, I that, that, I don't, that's, it struck me that I was like, this is what that sounds like. It sounds like Dame knows he wants to leave, and he knows it makes sense, but he just doesn't want to say it. I, I like this, though, because they're just going to stare each other down. And the Trailblazers are like, that's fine. We, we'll, we'll keep you here. We're not going to bend <laughs> to what you want. You have to ask us. Exactly. They're yeah. just going to continue so, to shit talk the media, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, I mean, Dame, I'm sorry. Listen, the team tried its best. They probably did a few things poorly. But at the end of the day, you're not good enough and – it's not your fault, but there's not really any move. There's not any room to grow right now, unless you have some kind of friend. Unless, unless you're friends with, I don't know, who can you be? Maybe your you Olympic can bef- team friends just really. Maybe you can. Bef- maybe you can befriend Embiid, and he can ask his way out. Like there's nobody, there's nobody right now out there. There's nobody to get. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I yeah, it's. It's a good point. The Trailblazers are stuck in a muck, but they're probably happy to just have Damian Lillard right down there with them. You like that analogy, though? It's a very good analogy. Okay, good. All right. That's all, that's Final all right. column. Very yeah. easy. Contact hitters. Just did what they should have done. Stuff around the edges. Polish okay. their stuff up. Okay. 
Uh, my initial thoughts say Knicks, but I don't want to say Knicks because I feel like Fournier was more than a contract. That was kind of like, uh, like a sack. I don't. Yeah, a big swing. Maybe it's a sack fly. Maybe it's a home run. Maybe it's a strikeout. I'm not really sure. So, for talking contact, um, or it's one of those oh, pullback oh. hits. I forget what it's called. <laughs> I'm trying. Like you're yeah. trying to swing. You're like, well, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty for twenty. Uh, uh, a, a check swing. Check swing. There we go. He's like, did okay. he go? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nineteen mil. Yeah. I'm going to choose the Dallas Mavericks because I think that uh, Reggie Bullock's a really good fit for them, and on a good deal. Like I, I liked what Reggie gave us, and I, I think. You know, everything that we kind of had a problem with Reggie doing last year is just going to be null with Dallas because of Luka Doncic. And, you know, we're like, oh, Reggie, he can't exploit mismatches. You know, like, oh, Reggie, he can't dribble the ball. Like, oh, Reggie, he sucks in transition. Well, Dallas doesn't play in transition. They want to play in the half court. And they don't want Reggie dribbling ever. So (laughs) it works out. And he's just going to be able to play solid defense and just line up and knock down threes when Luka kicks him out. So for three years, $30 million, awesome deal for them. I think he's a really good fit. Going to come in right away and help. Yeah, mine is – I mean, Mavericks were on my list. I'd have to go Bucks just because they brought back BP. They're bringing in Ojale, who's going to be theoretically a P.J. Tucker defensive similarity. Offensively, he's not going to be able to do the same. They got Rodney Hood for surprising bench scoring, and they brought back George mm. Hill from – I think he was on the Sixers last year. While also signing Grayson Allen or trading for Grayson Allen, and I don't think they gave up much for him. I'm trying to look into the actual specifications, uh, I think Sam Merrill went and, made and that two a second. future seconds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Going out is Bryn Forbes and PJ Tucker, and mm. I think that's it in terms of the actual playing people. Maybe Jeff Teague's gone, but he didn't really. He played probably five to ten minutes. But yeah, I mean yeah. they're they're running back the squad and they're adding in more of what they kind of needed in terms of instead of PJ Tucker, you now have semi and Rodney hood to kind of offset that. You can kind of do an offensive lineup or a defensive lineup, just switching guys out. George Hill kind of consummately is better than Jeff Teague at the moment. And Bobby Portis was really good for them. As well as Grayson Allen adds to that white guy, (laughs) like wing rotation. Dante Mm -hmm. DiVincenzo and um, Pat Connaughton now have a new buddy. Yes, yes. Uh, and an- another team that I think we should mention, Brooklyn Nets getting Patty Mills, two years, $12 million. Really nice deal. But also their failure to kind of get any front court help was, I think, a little disappointing for Nets fans. But yeah, Mills is going to be a great Green thing. I didn't like the Jeff yes, Green yes, walking. Yes, yes, yes. Jeff Green walking. That was big. That was big. Huge loss for the Nets. I don't know how useful he is to the Nuggets per se, but he's a big, you know, like he's not going to swing the Nuggets that much, but he's definitely going to take away from what the Nets can do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jeff Green's been—he's been filling teams for a while now and helping them out. I mean, he helped Cleveland in there when they when they went to the finals in 2018. We kind of didn't think he'd do anything for Brooklyn, and he was a big part of them. So yeah, they they lost front court depth, but Patty Mills is going to help for sure. So you know, that's doing all right. But listen, they're still the favorite, and that doesn't like—I don't think less of them. But I'm sure they would have liked to get a little bit of front court help. All right. Well, that was that was my baseball gauntlet. So if you got any others. Throw them out. I, I like your baseball. I liked it. Um, no, I think that'll do that for that, Phil. Um, yeah, we got some week to watch. So. Yeah, we got some surprise Nick action today. Yeah, yeah. Five Two minutes. O'clock. But, uh, yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. As always, check us out on Twitter at Hoopscoop Pod. Listen to us on all platforms, and we'll catch you guys next time. Peace. Peace.